If you've been paying any attention at all to politics lately, you've probably heard something about an infrastructure bill. President Biden is on to his next priority, building stuff. And how that bill would make huge investments in stopping climate change. The American Jobs Plan will lead to a transformational progress in our effort to tackle climate change. It's a liberal wish list of big government waste. Meanwhile, the movement for a Green New Deal has been staking out its own legislative positions with a flurry of new bills being introduced. The Green New Deal isn't just a resolution, it is a revolution. AOC, Marky, they don't need no stinking broad legislation anymore. They're doing it behind the scenes. All bigger and bolder than what Biden is proposing. Today, progressives will reintroduce the Green New Deal. Senator Markey and I put forward the Environmental Justice Mapping and Data Collection Act, the Green New Deal for Public Housing Act. Our public housing stock has been neglected for far too long. So is the U.S. actually finally going to pass major climate legislation? Will it be enough to address the U.S. contribution to climate change? We're digging into those questions on this bonus episode of Generation Green New Deal. As we've covered extensively on this podcast, Joe Biden ran on a climate plan that was, if not the Green New Deal, surprisingly close to it. Biden's infrastructure bill, called the American Jobs Plan, is his main effort to translate that plan into law. I spoke with Julian Brave Noisecat, Vice President of Policy and Strategy at Data for Progress, to help us break it all down. The American Jobs Plan is uh, the second in the Biden trilogy of uh, packages. The first one was the American Rescue Plan, which Congress passed a couple months back. Uh, the American Jobs Plan is the infrastructure, jobs, and climate package. It's an over $2 trillion investment in jobs and infrastructure, about a trillion of which uh, is dedicated to climate-oriented policies. So this is investments in clean energy, getting our grid to 100% clean electricity by 2035, for example. The consensus that I've seen among experts in my own personal view is that the American Jobs Plan covers a lot of the breadth that you'd want to see uh, in terms of climate action. And I think that, you know, that combination of things, the investments combined with the performance standards, uh, with sort of an overlay and emphasis on justice for workers and communities that live on the sort of hazardous edge of poverty and pollution is more or less sort of the breadth of things that you'd want to see. The other big piece of this is sort of the fiscal question, which is whether or not um, the scale of investments are big enough. Is it big enough? That's the trillion dollar question, the thing everyone is going to be arguing about in the coming months. Is it too big, too small, or just right? In comparative and historical terms, what Biden is doing is unprecedented. It's been far too long that the United States has waited to take action on climate change. Emissions are a cumulative problem. Carbon dioxide stays in the air for a very long time, stays in the atmosphere for a very long time. So, you know, I think it's debatable whether in absolute terms, uh, whether he's doing is, is enough. 
one trillion is is certainly a good start. Uh, but there is a, a pretty compelling study from the Political Economic Research Institute at the University of Massachusetts Amherst that suggests that uh, to achieve full employment while tackling the climate crisis, so full employment is a situation where everyone who wants a job can get a job in the economy. And in order to do that, you need to be investing something along the order of $1 trillion per year for the next 10 years or $10 trillion over 10 years. Uh, and of course, uh, Biden's proposal would you know, uh, be a significant fraction of that, but it would only be a fraction of that. So I think it would be better if the bill um, ended up being larger. And you know, obviously, there is still time for progressives, environmentalists, um, you know, unions, environmental justice communities, et cetera, to, you know, push in that direction. That scale of investment, $1 trillion per year, is exactly what progressives in Congress are pushing for with the Thrive Act. Thrive stands for Transform, Heal, Renew by Investing in a Vibrant Economy. The act itself was introduced late last month by friend of the pod, Senator Ed Markey and Representative Debbie Dingell. We are facing a series of intersecting crises, climate change, a public health pandemic, racial injustice and economic inequality. We can't defeat any of these crises alone. We must develop a roadmap for recovery that addresses them all. I would say the Thrive Act is a marker bill, but it's also a coalition building exercise. One of the big challenges that we have in the coalition politics of climate change is that you need to try to unite the activists who oppose pipelines with the workers who build them. That's the really impressive thing about the Thrive Act. It's backed by a huge array of interest groups who came together in something called the Green New Deal Network. It includes environmental groups like Sunrise and the Sierra Club, racial justice groups like Movement for Black Lives and the NAACP, and unions like the American Federation of Teachers and SEIU, all coming together to support a bigger, more ambitious alternative to Biden's plan that calls for investing $1 trillion per year in stopping climate change and creating good jobs. So Thrive essentially proposes a broad-ranging bill, similar in scope to Biden's, but much bigger and with more guarantees of investment in frontline communities. But there are also a number of smaller, more specific bills introduced by progressive lawmakers, which propose implementing specific parts of the Green New Deal. The other set of bills that, that we're talking about, which are coming primarily from um, what's called the squad. So, you know, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Representative Cory Bush, Representative Jamal Bauman, uh, you know, Senator Markey in the Senate, um, Senator Bernie Sanders, et cetera, uh, are taking positions that I think that that coalition, a broad coalition, cannot necessarily always take but that also are pushing the conversation in ways that, that can be useful. Um, so, for example, uh, you know, Representative Ocasio-Cortez reintroduced uh, the Green New Deal for Public Housing, which proposes to invest, I think, something like $172 billion in public housing uh, to you know, retrofit public housing, uh, electrify it, uh, take care of uh, pollutants in public housing stock, you know, just for comparison. Uh, the Biden American Jobs Plan proposes $40 billion in spending on public housing. So uh, Congressman Bauman has a Green New Deal for Public Schools bill. 
Uh, Cory Bush has a Green New Deal for Cities bill. There's also a transportation-focused bill, an agriculture-focused bill. To be honest, even as someone covering this stuff professionally, it's been hard to keep them all straight. So one thing I asked Julian is, what's the point of all these bills? Could any of them actually pass? The short, simple answer is no. While I think a lot of these bills are introduced with the understanding that, you know, it's, we're a long ways from being able to get uh, 218 you know, members of the House of Representatives and 50 senators on board with like the Green New Deal for Public Housing, for example, they are meant to push a, a conversation. Uh, and, you know, hopefully elements of the proposals do in fact influence or otherwise get incorporated into uh, things like the American Jobs Plan. So the idea is less to pass any of these particular bills by themselves and more to steer the question that the big Biden infrastructure bill might take. So I think right now we see all of these different bills and acts um, that have been introduced, you know, being put into Biden's infrastructure package. And that's what we're pushing for the most. You know, I think politically right now, that's what people are focused on. And all of the bills we've described are honestly infrastructure um, and are the things that Biden campaigned on this this vision, the creating jobs, building our infrastructure, strengthening public housing and our buildings. So we would really like to see it in the infrastructure package to get passed. And that's what we're going to be pushing for. That's Ellen Shalas, Sunrise Movement's press secretary. She spoke at a press conference with AOC and Ed Markey last month as they reintroduced their original Green New Deal resolution. Put this Civilian Climate Corps Act in your infrastructure package. Put young people to work building back better in our own communities. Pay us good wages. So that when the next disaster strikes, our buildings are resilient because of the labor of civilian Climate Corps members. A useful way to think about this legislative process right now is as a game of tug of war. Progressives are introducing all these climate bills as a way of putting their ideas out there and pulling the conversation in the direction of going bigger, going bolder, taking more strident positions. And at the same time, Republicans, some moderate Democrats, and of course the fossil fuel industry will all be trying to pull in the other direction, make the Biden bill smaller, water it down, or derail it altogether. One component of Biden's plan that the climate movement is really hoping to influence is his proposal for a civilian climate core. So the Civilian Climate Corps was inspired by a similar program created by FDR, which was the Civilian Conservation Corps. It was a national public work relief program and employed millions of, of people to revitalize parks, conserve U.S. forests um, and natural resources. And the program itself definitely succeeded in putting millions of men who were unemployed to work and drastically improving our nation's natural infrastructure um, throughout the Great Depression. But that version of the CCC had very deep flaws, including exclusionary racist and sexist practices of hiring almost exclusively white men, um, and it had non-consensual development on stolen Native American land. And so one thing we are thinking about with this version of a CCC is, you know, bringing in the good parts of, like, taking, you know, that that precedent of when you're in a time of crisis, like we can and we should use our resources to put people to work doing work that needs to be done in our own country, um, while also, you know, rooting out these 
really horrible practices that they had in the original CCC. Um, and we have an opportunity to do that with Senator Markey's plan, which calls for employing an equitable and diverse group um, and will, you know, provide good union jobs um, while completing clean energy projects and things like that. You know, imagine yourself uh, after graduating from high school or maybe college, you know, your first job. Uh, what if it could be, you know, working in the Civilian Climate Corps, you know, um, restoring wetlands or, you know, uh, cleaning up parks or, you know, getting involved in some sort of public works in your community designed to, you know, create or protect green spaces or to prepare, you know, various areas for um, public solar panels or clean energy projects. I think that that's sort of a renewal of uh, focus on sustainability as well as on, you know, good government and um, the public sector is, is sort of core to the ethos of the Green New Deal. And uh, I think something that will be uh, a hopefully transformational uh, policy if we actually get it enacted uh, as part of a big infrastructure package. But what Biden is proposing is much smaller than what Sunrise and Green New Deal champions like AOC and Ed Markey actually want to see. Biden uh, only put a $10 billion investment towards the CCC. And I know like while this sounds good, both like environmental economists and policymakers have really said that that funding doesn't get as close to what's needed. And one statistic that Sunrise has been bringing up a lot is that um, – in Roosevelt's original CCC, you know, the idea comes from Roosevelt's Civilian Conservation Corps. Um, he employed around 300,000 young Americans per year. And Biden's proposed CCC would only equate to around 10 to 20,000 jobs a year. And so I think you can see that, like, while his heart's in the right place, it looks like it's just not going anywhere near the scale and like the magnitude of what we need to get people back to work um, and combat climate change. So uh, Sunrise has been backing Senator Markey and Representative Ocasio-Cortez's um, plan for a civilian climate corps, which calls for employing um, around 1.5 million Americans in five years to create these projects. Um, and so I think that if he is really serious, Biden, about, you know, actually leaning into this idea of being this Rooseveltian president that he says he wants to be, that he actually has to step up to make his plan bigger and better. <laughs> so climate activists like Ellen are trying to make Biden's plan bigger and better. How much time do they have? So Speaker Pelosi has said that she wants to have an infrastructure package through the House by July 4th. I think that's a very ambitious timeline. Um, and overall, my view is that time is not our friend as progressives. We have one shot to do another big package if the negotiations over this legislative package draw out past the August recess. Um, then some of the sort of uh, members who are, you know, on the ball, who are, you know, facing tough re-election campaigns, will start looking to um, the midterms, and you know, will have less of an appetite for um, a potentially risky uh, vote, you know, coming on their record. 
So those are the things that I think we need to be uh, very aware of. And, um, you know, among other things, activists probably shouldn't just be pushing the scale of investment. They should also be pushing the pace, you know, showing how urgent it is that this uh, money gets out the door and gets spent on uh, infrastructure, on jobs and on tackling the climate crisis. Ellen says Democrats would be wise to remember who gave them their margin of victory last fall. Biden was elected on a climate mandate and a climate mandate that was arguably more popular among young people than Biden himself. And so now he has to deliver for the very people who like put everything on the line to get him elected. So there are a lot of moving pieces around this climate bill, and it's hard to say exactly how things will shake out. But activists like Ellen are going to keep pushing, and we're going to keep following the story. By the time you're hearing this, I'll be in Louisiana covering Sunrise Movement's 450-mile walk from New Orleans to Houston, demanding good jobs to stop the climate crisis. You'll be hearing about that on this show in a future episode. We've got more exciting episodes coming down the pipeline, including a conversation with activist Kanyela Ng and an exciting collaboration with fellow youth climate podcast Inherited. You can follow Generation Green New Deal on social media at Generation GND, and please support the show by subscribing to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Generation GND. Generation Green New Deal is produced by Takuna Lam Productions and hosted by me, Sam Eilerton. Nate Birnbaum and I created the show and we wrote and produced this episode, which was edited by Noah Foley-Benning and mixed by Michael Catano. Special thanks this week to Wally Mazin, Sam Quigley, Patreon subscribers Michaela Herman, Stephen Rosenblum, and Jamie Duncan Brown, Felix Kramer, Mary Riley, and Jonathan Ogland-Hand. Thanks for listening. Which side are you on? Which side are you on?